The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. You'll note the slide that we showed at the nine o'clock. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second. Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) Amen. You might have heard that there was a football game happening later today. Uh, And I want you to know that we've taken all the necessary precautions here at church. We have greased all the light posts in the parking lot with Crisco, just in case something breaks out. And I have to confess, as you can already tell, I'm a Patriots fan. Yes, I know. But how could I not be after having lived in Boston for 15 years? You know, I love the two-week build-up to the Super Bowl, but I miss sharing it with my hometown fans. So I've been reading all kinds of articles on Boston.com and listening to Boston Sports Radio just to get keyed up for the big game. And I've really enjoyed seeing everybody here get into it. There's so much green, even here this morning at church, with flags and signs and jerseys and team spirit. It's awesome. Um, I grew up playing sports. I'm the son of two athletes and two passionate sports fans. And playing sports teaches, teaches you the value of teamwork and commitment and practice. And as a sports fan, it gives you this kind of identity where you root for your team, but also your city, your tribe. Sports offers an escape, a chance to transcend all the bad news in the world, if just for a time. And it brings people together in amazing ways. Philadelphians, who can be such a tough crowd, are so, dare I say it, happy, (laughs) giddy, and united in their love for the birds. Everybody in this city is getting along. Don't let them tell you that miracles don't happen. And part of the fun of sports is their cathartic nature. You feel the highs and the lows. You live and die with your team, and you are allowed to hate other teams. Oh, that NFC East with the Giants and Washington, and the Cowboys, and of course, just about everybody outside of New England hates my Patriots and Tom Brady. You know, I've never rooted for a team that is so hated by other people before now. It's really a strange feeling. I'm a stranger in a strange land. And I've enjoyed the good nature trash talk this week, even from Hannah at coffee hour earlier this morning. 
And I will truly be happy for you if you're a win. If, if it can't be us, I'm glad it could be you. But, but still, <coughs> go, <coughs> go Patriots. <laughs> the idea of rivals and rivalries and feuds has been on my mind a lot this week as we've been approaching the big game. In football and in sports more generally, we have tons of fun with rivalries. And these rivalries arise from familiarity, which they say can breed contempt, sordid histories and perceived and real slights. You've got the Eagles and the Cowboys, Flyers and Bruins, Phillies and Mets, Sixers and Celtics, Red Sox and Yankees, Patriots and Jets. Dan Potasnik is a Jets fan. I don't know how we're friends. (laughs) But Living in Boston, you learn that the really big rivalry up there, of course, is with the Yankees. And it traces all the way back to 1919 when the then owner of the Red Sox sold away the rights to Babe Ruth to the Yankees for just some money. Not for baseball reasons, but so he could produce a theatrical play. And ever since then, Boston has referred to that moment as the curse of the Bambino. And for 86 years, the Red Sox did not win another World Series until 2004. We know something about curses. We know something about rivalries, and I know you do as well. And so I just want you to imagine the world for a moment that Jesus lived in, the Palestine of 2,000 years ago, as something like the NFC East. You had the Jews, which, of course, Jesus was one, but then you had all kinds of rivals pressing in on them. You had the occupying Roman Empire and Samaritans and Phoenicians and Syrians. Israel, such as it was then, was always the smallest of the empires in the Middle East, and it was constantly being bullied about. There were not just decades, but thousands of years of history between these peoples, lots of time for hatreds to harden and resentment to ferment. And Jesus steps into these historic rivalries, this old hate, and he shows people a different way. In our gospel, we hear these reversals. You have heard it said, but I say to you. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, but I say to you, if somebody strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. You've heard it said, hate your enemies, but I say love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Turn the other cheek. Pray for your enemies. Anybody here praying for Tom Brady this morning besides me? Yeah, I didn't think so. In the book that I'm encouraging everybody to read, uh, and that's for sale after church, We Make the Road by Walking by Brian McLaren. He talks about how Jesus reinterpreted these old stories that people told about who was in and who was out, who had God's favor and who did not. He writes, Jesus was living by a different interpretation of the old stories, so he refused to conform to their expectations. He armed his followers with faith, hope, service, forgiveness, and love, working from a fresh interpretation of the past. He freed them from both passive, pious complacency and desperate, violent action. His fresh interpretation empowered them for something better, faithful, peaceful action. He talks in one chapter about the encounter between Jesus and the Canaanite woman uh, that came to Jesus to have her daughter healed. 
And she comes to Jesus and pleads, but Jesus at first refuses because she's a Canaanite. Canaanites and the Hebrews were ancient, ancient foes. Uh, When the Israelites came into the promised land, they conquered the Canaanites in order to possess it. And so this woman, this Canaanite woman, comes with her daughter, but after pleading with him, Jesus heals the daughter. And so McLaren points out that this old rivalry between Israelites and Canaanites is symbolically retired. And there are endless stories like this where Jesus reaches out to a rival, whether somebody from a different tribe or people in his own Jewish society that were considered off limits or beyond the pale. And I was curious about how many times this happened. And so I, this week, turned through the Gospel of Luke just to see how Jesus treated those who were considered different or other or out of bounds. And uh, just taking it from the beginning of Luke, Jesus heals somebody that's possessed by a demon, heals a woman, calls fishermen and tax collectors to be disciples, heals lepers and a paralytic, feeds the poor and hungry, comforts those who weep. He healed a centurion servant, a Roman centurion servant, raised a dead man, forgave and defended a sinful woman, called women to be his followers, healed a hemorrhaging woman, raised a dead girl, fed 5,000 people, healed a boy with a demon, praised a good Samaritan, an ancient foe, kept counsel with Mary and Martha, healed a crippled woman, healed a man with dropsy, talked about the exceeding value of one lost sheep or one lost coin, told the story of the prodigal son of Lazarus, a poor and homeless man who was received into heaven, healed ten lepers, welcomed children, healed a blind beggar, praised the widow's offering, he forgave Eagles fans. Oh, Oh, you were listening. Yes. I made that last part up. And Jesus takes these real rivalries, these real divisions between peoples, and showed us how to overcome them, to heal them, whether rivalries and divisions within our own families, our own society, or rivalries and divisions within uh, and against other tribes. He says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, but I say, turn the other cheek. You've heard it said, hate your enemies, but I say, love your enemies and pray for them. Today for the Super Bowl, the secular holiday, Holy Day, we will be united in cheering our teams and rooting against one another, and we'll have incredible fun doing it. But tomorrow, let's be about the work of our true calling, loving our neighbors and our enemies, and healing the world's deep divisions with the power of God's love, justice, and grace. Amen.